Welcome to the Mitchell Empower podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Callahan. And today we have two guests, Chief Clinical Officer, Dr. Mitch Freeman, and VP of Government Affairs, Brian Allen. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Shelley. Thank you. And we're talking very hot topic today, medical marijuana. And it, there's been a lot of changes in the last decade. So we're looking at it from a regulatory point of view, as well as a clinical point of view. Brian, let's start with you. So many states have uh, legalized marijuana. It's still not legal on a federal level. Tell me what's been happening. Well, it started back in the mid-90s with California, and uh, California kind of set the ball rolling with legalizing medical marijuana, and it slowly has picked up steam. And in, over the last 10 years, really, we've seen a number of states coming on board with medical marijuana, and quite a few states coming on board for recreational marijuana. Right now, we have 33 states and the District of Columbia that have legalized marijuana for medical use, and we have um, eight states in the District of Columbia that have legalized it for recreational use. Wow. And as we get to a tipping point, I mean, what's going to happen this year? And is the federal government, you think, going to step in? Where is that point? Well, I mean, we're probably past the point for the federal government to act. I think they should have acted some time ago. Um, this year, there's, well, there are a number of uh, bills filed in states that currently don't have legalized marijuana to re uh, make it legal for medical purposes, and a few more states are going to add it to their recreational list, uh, I think, this, this cycle. So the states are way, way ahead of the federal government on this. And I think there's been, with the change in Congress because of the midterms, and I think just a change of attitude at the national level on this issue, I suspect Congress is going to do something. They've signaled that they want to do something. There have been a couple of bills filed that would um, change how marijuana is treated. My guess is at the end of the day, they'll probably make it unscheduled, treat it like alcohol, and then it let each state regulate it uh, how they see fit. Interesting. And Mitch, um, that, that kind of brings us right into yours from a clinical perspective. Um, there's, there's a mix of research. What do you think? Yeah, there are two things to really focus on. One is the efficacy as a, as a treatment and a therapy. And then the second is uh, from a side effects and, and, you know, adverse reactions and adverse events associated with marijuana. We don't have a lot of good insight into either of those, um, primarily because it's been difficult to, to uh, study being a Schedule One drug, meaning it's illegal federally, so it's difficult to even access in order to study. Uh, we've seen that recently change with um, Epidiolex coming on board, uh, being the first medical marijuana-based um, medication to be FDA approved. So we see, see some movement on that front. Interesting. And do you think that um, since the FDA did open that up, um, that we'll see a few more or maybe more indications than just the first indication that they came out with? Yes. Since it's now a drug product that can be dispensed in pharmacies and it's openly on the market, uh, its current indication is only for refractory um, seizures in the pediatric patient population, but I, I see that expanding over time. Uh, typically when a drug comes on the market, they do expand what indications it can be used for. So I do see them probably using that medication and studying its effects in other disease states, uh, perhaps chronic pain, which would impact our industry quite significantly. And to that point specifically, I know the VA is very interested in studying it um, and thinking about chronic pain and PTSD even. Um, what are you hearing in, in that space? Yeah, it's difficult now because the VA would like to be able to write for medical marijuana prescriptions, but being illegal federally, they're prohibited from doing so. 
these new formulations, uh, once they are FDA approved for these indications, they would be free to write those prescriptions, as well as these patients be able to access it uh, through federal health programs, through common insurance, and actually receive those prescriptions from a pharmacist instead of through a dispensary. Uh, this is an added level of safety because you can look for drug interactions, fraud and abuse, those types of issues, if it's consolidated and dispensed from a typical pharmacy instead of a dispensary. And Brian, uh, we heard despite the lack of clinical evidence that there are more states coming on board um, in 2019. Why do you think people are so excited despite clinical evidence to just jump on the, on the pot bandwagon, shall we say? <laughs> Well, I think there's, there's um, a lot of anecdotal stories out there about how marijuana has helped different people. And I think that the generation that's kind of in charge now sort of grew up with marijuana, so it's not, it's not as a taboo a subject as it might have been a generation ago. And I think the other thing is that states have been wrestling with um, trying to modernize criminal justice reform, and I think some of this is an outcropping of that because a lot of people that were getting arrested for possession of marijuana were using it to treat medical conditions that they had. They were sort of self-treating. And I think that, that also kind of spawned this thing moving forward. And, um, but the challenge again is this conflict between state and federal law. And when I said earlier it was past time for the federal government to do something about it, it's really because we need studies. If we're going to legalize this in all these states, the federal government's either got to decide that they're going to enforce current law or they're going to abandon it and do something. And I think the studies will be helpful because I think there are some positive uses for marijuana and some of the chemicals that are in the marijuana plant. We just don't know what they are because we've never been able to study them because it's been a Schedule One drug. You mentioned that states are trying to address these issues and opioids was one of the things that a lot of states in 2018 were looking to regulate and even sue companies for. Um, do you think that's also played a role in um, them jumping on board with medical marijuana? I, I think that really has played a significant role. I think there is a hope that medical, the use of medical marijuana will reduce opioid deaths. I don't know that there's any evidence of that so far. Um, you know, one of the statistics I saw just recently is that in Colorado, where marijuana has been legal both recreationally and medically for quite some time, they had a record number of opioid deaths in 2017. So we don't really know what the impact's going to be long-term. I mean, that's another anecdotal piece of evidence. I mean, that's not a true study. And I think more needs to be done along that front. There are people who have reported a reduction in pain by using medical marijuana. There are people who have, have reported a reduction in the use of opioids. But again, it's all sort of anecdotal and it's not a real, what you would consider a full-blown clinical study. Right, and those clinical studies, we keep going back to that piece. Um, Mitch, it, we talked a little bit about other indications um, that we're thinking about for medical marijuana. Obviously, pain is high for in the workers' comp space. Are there other indications that are maybe cropping up of interest? Yeah, there are a number of um, difficulties with sleep, so insomnia is one that, that people are looking into and, and groups are interested in, um, including uh, MS, um, you know, PTSD, there's a number of these that we're looking into. Uh, to Brian's point that the use of these was reported so anecdotally in the past, and there have been no true clinical trials for these indications. Uh, once again, once we can study these and determine the true efficacy of these uh, compounds and medications being used for these indications, I, I think we'll be much better off and have clear insight into both the effectiveness of these 
compounds as well as side effects. And today, I know that you work with people across the country um, with different state laws and um, a lot of court cases coming up. Uh, one of the pain points and questions that we get asked a lot is, if it's legal in my state, but it's illegal federally, should I pay for it? Should I cover it as a workers' comp or auto casualty PBM? Um, so how do you talk to our customers about that? So there are a number of states that do require reimbursement for medical marijuana cost. Um, however, a lot of insurance companies also are technically financial institutions in some way. So it being illegal federally, they do put themselves at risk if they directly pay for marijuana. Uh, so typically our recommendation is to uh, reimburse the injured worker or the patient for medical marijuana, uh, but not to pay directly a dispensary, uh, in that case directly for the marijuana. There's a slight difference in those two, uh, but it would be much more uh, safe and, and uh, risk averse for them to reimburse for medical marijuana instead of buying it directly. Mm -hmm. Lots of nuances in this nuances. space. Um, so, uh, to you both, what are you looking ahead in 2019 on this very hot topic? Brian, we'll start with you. Well, and I think Mitch brings up a very good point. I mean, the courts are weighing in and it's creating, and the courts are, are divided on this. In, in Maine, for example, the, the Maine Supreme Court said, even though a lower court said that an employer had to reimburse for marijuana, the Supreme Court said no. Can't put our employers and our insurance carriers in a position where we're forcing them to violate federal law. So they overturned that decision. We have other states, and there's a couple of states that are running bills going to require employers to pay for it. So the courts are split on this. It's time for the federal government to act. They've got to do something. I think this is the year that something might happen. I've kind of jokingly said maybe it'll, maybe they'll, the president will sign the bill on 420 of 20. But I think something's going to happen with medical marijuana uh, nationally this year. And I think it's high time to really make that happen because this conflict is really creating problems across the country. And it's clogging up the courts with a lot of needless litigation over an issue that could be easily solved at the federal level. Interesting. And Mitch, what about you? Uh, this is a personal perspective, but I, I think the legalization of recreational marijuana will continue to spread across the country. Uh, at the same time, I think eventually medical marijuana will run its course, and I believe that it will be mostly handled by drug companies that develop these products that are FDA approved, that have proven efficacy uh, and clear insight into what the downsides of these medications are. At that point, medical marijuana dispensaries kind of become obsolete. So I think the growers and suppliers are hoping to push through to get it legalized recreationally. Uh, kind of before they're put out of business by drug companies. Interesting, very interesting. A lot of changes, a lot of things to think about. Uh, on our website, we actually have an interactive map and with a lot of the clinical information, um, all of the court cases as they become updated and all the laws on a state-by-state -state basis. So you can download information on our website, you can work with our interactive map, and we're always happy to chat with you more about the latest and the greatest that's impacting your patients and your customers. Thank you so much to both of you for your expertise. We really appreciate it. And thank you all for joining us for the Empower podcast powered by Mitchell.